to episode 77 of your favorite podcast by two guys doing comedy and talking about technology at the same time. Uh, Ed actually uh, texted me because I had totally forgotten about this for a variety of reasons. If anyone follows me on Twitter and knows just what a shit show that's going on at my house with my cat. So I had totally forgotten. I was going to watch Game of Thrones. No goddamn spoilers, you people on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but we're here for the uh, 77th time. So, Ed, how are you? Because I know we actually did not talk today at all before. No, so. we we didn't. Um, <laughs> I, I went and hung out with uh, some of my, you know, I have a big, uh, a number of siblings in my family. And uh, I got to see one of them and uh, her husband uh, today, which was nice, and my parents. And actually, uh, another one of my siblings and his kids uh, today. Uh, but so that was sort of notable because we're all spread around. Um, but I also was up till 3 a.m. last night. Um, I was writing music. And so I'm really like I, I literally kind of like what's the word? I'm kind of out of it. I literally I can't think of the words. Sluggishly woke up at like exactly 9 p.m. when we're supposed to record, which was 20 minutes ago, nice. and then was like, "Oh shit, I gotta go." Uh, only, if, only if I know Chris is sitting downstairs with a uh, a pint glass full of dark and stormy, uh, watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, right. You were and and you were probably like, "Oh, so glad I don't have to record a podcast." No, I, 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 I totally forgot. And, here, and here's a funny story too. And we're just keeping delaying our guest, but um, yeah. Uh, I wasn't paying attention because I'm kind of in a foul mood. So I grabbed a bottle of absinthe instead of the rum, and I almost poured a shot of absinthe into my drink instead of uh, instead of uh, two two ounces of absinthe instead of two ounces of rum. That would have been a very very different drink. I think. That sounds because like usually a I pour that idea. and I just shotgun like half of it down because you've seen me drink. So um, yeah, I, I Ed can tell you I don't really drink and I don't really drink. Hey, no laughing over there. My, my daughter's laughing about my drinking problems. So I usually shotgun, shotgun down a drink. So if I'd done that with like two ounces of absinthe with ginger ale or ginger beer, that would have been a very, very different drink. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. ginger beer sounds good. Were you making a Moscow mule? No, a dark and stormy. So spiced rum. Oh, dark and stormy. Okay. Yeah, spiced rum with uh, ginger beer. That's my that's my go to drink these days. No, I, I could see that. I, I like I ginger was, beer. Yeah, so. I always ask the bartender like, serve it to me like in a pint glass, not the little wussy uh, shot glasses or the or the smaller like. Uh, I don't know. You're sipping on Jim Bean or something. Same yeah, right. Like in a real glass. A little drinky, yeah. a little drinky for uh, everybody. Um, all right, yeah. So, uh, so I think we're going to do a little bit of a short one, just because unfortunately Tracy actually is someone who has her shit together and uh, you know has like things timed out, unlike us, obviously. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and uh, talk for a minute about our sponsors. And go today we've got uh, what? 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 Okay, go ahead. I'm going ahead. Sorry. Uh, We've got two sponsors today. Uh, The first one is Rove. Uh, Rove is employing packs of wild feral dogs, rehabilitating them and teaching them uh, how to be Zen framework engineers. So at Rove, hire them, save a dog's life. And get excellent PHP developers. That's Rove.com. There's a dog right on the front who uh, grew up in a life of squalor and crime, uh, was rehabilitated into a beneficial member of society, productive. uh, Now is a tech and uh, lives in San Francisco, I believe. So, uh, you know, so kind of a jerk. But I mean, it's it's still you know better than what it was up to I don't know selling black market kibble or something like that, and then our other uh, sponsor, it's Wonder Network. Is it network? Do we, have we discussed this? There's only one network. 
I forget. I don't know. It's one or two network. There is only one network. It's there's only one network. network. It's, it's the wonder network. There's only one and you go to wondernetwork.com and they have a whole bunch of networking testing tools and things like that. They're especially good with things related to geolocation um, and, and like how your app uh, may respond differently from different locations all over the world. They have really cool tools and they're, they have some stuff that nobody else has uh, in terms of uh, showing you what your site looks like everywhere from Bangladesh to Iceland to North Carolina, probably, or, or someplace on the East Coast. So all sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, and they provide the bandwidth for this live broadcast, which uh, nobody knows about yet because I still haven't sent the tweet. But it's going to happen at some point. And maybe there's some people in chat who know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see in a minute. So that's who we've got uh, today. Uh, Rove dot com and wondernetwork.com back to you chris sorry i have ice cubes in my mouth sorry that's okay you usually sound like you got something in your mouth wow we've already gone to that portion of the show have we Ed? All right. <laughs> i meant ice cubes i don't know what you're talking about wow. yeah i'm sure you don't just for that i won't even bother logging into slack I that's fine I you hate, hate slack hate it anyway. anyway it's totally fine all right so our extra special guest is someone that i don't know so um <laughs> yay but it is, uh, it is a person who I think is making what I can only consider the smartest possible move for their career, moving away from San Francisco <laughs> and relocating to the hellscape that is the greater Toronto area. So welcome to our podcast, Tracy. Yay. Thanks for having me. And I, I guess I should say, I, I met Tracy at a Brooklyn Beta, like the first or second Brooklyn Beta, I think, a second long one. time ago. Was yeah. it the second one? Yeah, yeah okay. I missed the first. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, it would, they all were all downhill from the first, of course, but, um, yeah. Uh, so that's where I originally knew way you. Back. Yeah. Way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember where, what you were doing right then, but I've known that you have been working on different sort of designy and also programmy stuff in a lot of Python stuff and also been doing sort of plugging your own path through uh, the the tech hellscape uh, and doing some entrepreneurial stuff and things like that. And now you've sort of, I, we, we met up again at, um, Pi Tennessee. Yes, absolutely. That was in February in Nashville and I kind of reconnected and saw you speak and you did this great talk about design for programmers. I think it was, I can't remember. That was, yeah, yeah, that was, let's just say that was it and act like I remembered. And (laughs) yeah. And, uh, and you said that you were kind of taking a little bit of a career change, uh, not getting out of tech, but, but getting, doing some different stuff. And so why don't you give a little intro? What, how would you describe you to the listener there today? Ah, yeah, I've been kind of going through a big transition in the last month and a half. Um, for the last uh, six years, well, I mean, longer than that. So I had a job back in the day. My first job uh, started in college, and it was a bunch of guys in a garage. So I joined up with them as their designer. We went like from a startup from the garage to some office in Foster City, to an office in Mountain View. And that was cool. It was cool being in a startup and, and being in like this... Uh, I don't know, like less corporate environment, but mm-hmm. the job itself wasn't that awesome. Um, working in online education and all this, like, uh, like working, like building leads for University of Phoenix and the Vry University and all these like diploma mill schools. So the company itself was making a ton of money. Um, mm. I, however, was not 
at all. So that was the big catalyst for like, you know what, screw it. I'm working for myself because this is awful and I can, you know, I don't know, have more freedom and, uh, I don't know. Freedom really was all about it. Um, Mm-hmm. Not money, definitely. I actually lost a lot of money from <laughs> working for myself for the last six years. But yeah, I quit that job and I started freelancing and then that didn't, I, I got still got kind of frustrated because I still had a boss when I'm freelancing because you're working with someone right. and they're telling you what to do and you say, oh, that's a bad decision. And they're like, well, still do it. And I'm like, oh, I hate this. So then I started a startup <laughs> so I could truly like call the shots. And that startup was a wedding startup, which is you know, it's kind of funny because everyone's like, oh, you're a girl. So weddings. And it's really because I like working in small businesses. And as mm-hmm. a designer, I really like working with people who um, design invitations because I think wedding invitation design is super awesome. Mm-hmm. The wedding part, I actually really could care less about. I eloped <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Las Vegas at the Little White Wedding Chapel. Um, but yeah, I started this wedding startup and been poking at it, went through like fundraising and then that didn't really go that well. I went through 500 startups, the accelerator, and then I tried to bootstrap it and I tried to fundraise and try to bootstrap it. So it's been like six years. I will speak frankly. It's been, it's been a really fun and very learning six or so years. Um, mm-hmm. I've never made more than $25,000 that year, those years, um, trying to get this startup off the ground. So basically I kind of got tired of not having money and I was like, well, maybe I should get a job again. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's like I've been working for myself for so long that having, you know, coworkers again, I was like, oh, that could be cool. I can have people I could learn from rather than having to constantly learn myself, teach myself. Um, I also wrote a book during this time. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, this this new job thing actually I've been working out pretty well. I have a pretty fabulous boss, which I don't know if I can mention this, but I know she's going to be recording this podcast soon. Mm-hmm. I haven't met her in person yet. I'm meeting her for the first time tomorrow. Um, but we've been working remotely really well so far and I have a salary now, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. like the thing is I'm moving to Toronto. I'm off, where I've been living in San Jose, I haven't, I basically been taking care of a friendly's home and I have not had rent. So a lot of my money is going to be like, go away to this new rent situation. <laughs> oh yes. Paying yeah. for, so you had, you were in the Bay area and did not pay rent. I am very lucky. Yes. Yes. That is, is a, that's quite a privilege, girl. It is. There Check is it. a long story that led up to this point, And I'll tell sure. you that story was hell on earth. And that's oh all gosh. I'm going to tell you. Oh, but that sucks. When that hell on earth ended and it resolved in me taking over this house uh, for my family in Ohio, that's when mm-hmm. everything smoothed out. And then so, you know, lobby, I always like feel embarrassed because I'm like, I have no rent. And then I have to be like, trust me, I earned it. Uh, yeah, right. Family right. issues. Let's just put it that way. Family issues. I gotcha. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, like my husband also works for himself. I work for myself. So having the rents in this house, um, I will say is a freaking privilege. So, oh, sure. But we miss being, I don't know, Bay Area is also kind of soul sucking. So uh, moving to Toronto and being not in like suburban San Jose and being uh, in an urban area is going to be really fun, especially because I've never lived in an urban area. So it'll be. Mm. And well, are you, where are you originally from and have you, have you been out in the Bay area for a while? (laughs) Uh, So the house I'm in right now actually is my grandparents' house. And so I've been in and out of this house since I was a baby. Uh, Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. I've lived all over the Bay area. Um, Part of that hell part, my parents divorced when I was two. So I kind of uh, moved back and forth between two parents for most of my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, but like my dad lived in Lake County. Um, Mm -hmm. 
super rural area in Northern California, which is awesome. Like, it was cool being in the mountains. Uh, and that's sure. how I got into doing web design because I was super bored. Uh, so I was like, well, right. I'll figure out this whole computer thing because uh, nothing to do in the rural area other than going to the drive-in. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. Which is kind of like sad because I drive-in was such a crucial part of me growing up. And I know they're not that big of a thing anymore. And I think drive-ins are freaking awesome, but they don't really exist anymore. No, not so much. There's a couple here and there, but there is a drive-in uh, 20, 20 to 25 minutes away from where I live. Didn't like, she, oh, my daughter just informed <laughs> me that. Did you, did you hear what she said in the back? I did. Oh, Thanks okay. for crushing the dreams, Lauren. <laughs> That's pretty much like every drive-in. They all shut down. That's it. You're grounded. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the most responsible parent you'll ever meet, Lauren. Don't worry. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so... You, you, were, you were dissatisfied <laughs> with the work experience that you had, and... Um, what, you know, so it sounds like for a while you were probably just doing sort of what a lot of people do, which was, uh, you kind of being a consultant, you know, just a, just a, a single person consultancy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, right. My, yeah. My husband was going through Y Combinator. So I kind of took that to all the new startups in YC. I'm like, Hey, I'm a designer. You want me to help out? And yeah. So okay. With, yeah. So I worked with a lot of YC companies of his batch. So like what's now Docker, mm. um, this is when they were doc clouds. So I did their original website. Mm. I did a uh, reportive, which was the Gmail sidebar. I did their original website, uh, which is still that actually reportive.com is still up. They were bought by LinkedIn. The LinkedIn took the design and they just altered it for LinkedIn. And so it's funny to me because you look at the source of reportive.com it still says designed by Tracy Osborne. Nice. So good job, LinkedIn for, finding or removing that or keeping that in purpose. I don't know. I have to cut in. I have to cut in with a very important message. My daughter, as expected, was wrong and the driving is still open. Ah. See, she was just trying to screw with you. So, so yeah, so maybe you, you could get a chance to indulge uh, in your uh, driving fetish and, and venture out, out into the burbs <laughs> and, and go to the driving. Well, see, like, okay, the thing with drive-ins is that you, there's two awful movies that are usually playing. You go see both of them. You sit on a like in your car or a truck with people, and you just bitch about the movie the entire time. You don't have to be silent like when you're in a movie theater. It's awesome. They have three screens, so coming up they're going to be showing Captain America: Civil War, and then Zootopia on one, mm-hmm. and then The Jungle Book and Mother's Day on the other, and mm. then Money Monster and The Huntsman: Winter's War. So that's not bad. It's not bad. I've been to that theater a number of times. It's it's literally around the corner from where my parents live. So it's. Uh, Good time had by all. Nice. All right. Keep support going with your, your awesome, local drive-in. Yes, support your local drive-in. All right. Keep going with your <laughs> awesome story about the about uh, your sweet rent-free life uh, in the Bay Area. I know. Keep, my keep my privilege. Yeah. I swan around super, the Bay Area with so much fun. Super, money. super sweet. So you needed to get in with these Y Combinator folks before they had blown through all their money. I should have gotten equity at some point for some of these. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, well, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, ninety percent of them no, no wouldn't have done and nothing. But uh, that's true. Yeah, you know, whatever. So, um, so okay. So you you were doing that consultancy thing, and but yeah, it is still kind of a thing where you're sort of like negotiating for somebody to be your boss in a way. I mean, obviously, that's not the relationship you want to have. 
Yeah. Like you want to have a thing where it's like, well, you're hiring me because of my expertise. So there's going to be a respect factor and things yeah. like that. And, but that doesn't always work out that way. Did you find that, that that wasn't the case most of the time? I'm just curious. I'm curious about how uh, that went for I, I burnt out on it really quickly. I think really? I, just, I gave up on it really fast. I mean, like reportive was the best. They were really great people. Um, mm. Uh, I don't remember anything about Doc Loud, so the, no yays or nays for them. Um, mm-hmm. Probably more yays because, you know, I have no bad memories. So that's great. Let's there was one person, yes. which I won't mention, who wasn't YC, but it was just like this constant back and forth. And they were just making all these like horrible decisions. And I'd be like, no. And I would like try, you know, very smartly trying to give them all the reasons why it's horrible decisions. Uh, you know, different mock-ups and different reasons and different like. I try to reason with them as much as possible, but they're like, no. And then I was like, okay, fine. Here's our files. And then their thing never launched anyways, probably because all these other things. And I got paid. Right. It just was kind of like, oh, this is not what I want. Right. So you weren't feeling that. It wasn't an enjoyable process for you. It yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, so I mean, I watched the yeah, guy, my husband was going through YC. So I watched him go through the whole run a startup thing. And I was like, oh, that looks really exciting. Like, that's right. cool. I want to do all. I want want investors throwing money at me because that's what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked like, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, wait till that happened to me, and I was like, "Where's my money? Why isn't no one throwing me money?" <laughs> yeah, <it>. right. <laughs> right. Yeah, freaking well, fundraising. So where did you? So tell me quickly. Uh, not not quickly. It sounds like I'm rushing you. Tell me a little bit about like what was your idea? How did this come up? And and be prepared for Chris to yell at you because you didn't do it right. So just go yeah. continue and let me know. You know well, that's how great. You, know. Yeah, it's gonna, it's, yeah, so it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, originally I didn't know how to code. So I was kind of, um, mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, I need to go find a co-founder. So I went to a whole bunch of like co-founder meetups, which is like all a bunch of uh, non-technical co-founder people or founder people trying to find technical co-founders, but no one's there. It's all non-technicals talking to non-technicals looking for like the one technical person that like showed up that meetup and didn't realize that everyone's going to swarm them. Uh, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. It was sad. And so then I was like, um, went to those meetups and then I wrote a blog post, my blog, which is, this is kind of funny. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm doing this the right way. I wrote this whole blog post about my idea. I was like, I want to launch this, uh, generator for what animations online. So people can, yeah, people who are not technical and not designers can put their wording in and get a typographical, typographic, perfect version of their design that they can print from home. Because a lot of people are buying kits and putting mm. it into Word and like Times New Roman and Comic Sans or whatever. Right. Uh, and I wanted a way for someone to do it online and just output uh, their invitations and you know this idea you could partner with these invitation companies. There's all sorts of like blah 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 startup stuff you can do with it. Right. But I can't build something that does typographically perfect invitations because that takes like crazy amount of coding, um, mm-hmm. outputting PDFs and all that. So I was like, I have to find a co-founder. Uh, so I wrote that post and it got on Hacker News, strangely, uh, uh-huh. and took off on Hacker News. Was number one for a long time. I was like swarmed by emails. People were like, I want to partner with you. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm running in circles. Like, oh my God, I'm so amazing. Look at all these people who want to work with me. And I like called a bunch of people and then I met with a bunch of people for food. And then I worked with a few people for projects and I narrowed it down to like the person. I was like, this person's my co-founder. Mm-hmm. And then we actually started working together and we got a Y Combinator interview actually. Mm-hmm. But like morning of the Y Combinator interview, we're like, we hated each other. <laughs> Like no, that's we're not, a not good working sign. together. Like, right. You know, that's like what happens when you're like finding a co-founder off the internet. It's like 
you know, maybe it'll work out, but pretty much yeah. it's going to be like you don't work well together. Uh, I'm going to find a great date on Craigslist. Pretty yeah, much. Right, right, yeah. Which so, does yeah. actually work for some people. Sometimes. <laughs> well, are you going to say that you met your husband on Craigslist? I met my Craig's husband on OkCupid. Oh, well, that's different. Yeah. There's a whole system. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, long story, long, long story short, him and I broke up. We didn't get the white combinator. Uh, they didn't, they were like, no, thank you. You guys are crazy. Right, um, right. And then I was like, well, screw this. I might as well learn how to code and just build it myself. Cause this whole time I don't like people telling me what to do. It's kind of my whole life. So I was like, well, I can mm-hmm. truly be my own boss if I can just build the thing I want to build. Right. Uh, so that's Python. Uh, get my mm-hmm. husband who's kind of been a big influence in my life. Uh, he does Python mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. was like, well, let me introduce you. And then I, there's a whole part I skipped. I actually went to computer science, um, back in the day, Cal Poly, uh, okay. and they were teaching Java, and I had an awful, awful, horrible, terrible time in school with it. Um, and as soon as I could transfer out into an art degree, I did. Mm-hmm. So I was really resistant to learning how to program because I was like, oh my God, I hate programming. Java was freaking like totally awful. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Python is much better. Long story right. short. <laughs> I figured it out. Yeah, right, right, right. And what was that experience like? And is it something where he was like, hey, here's a link. Go do your thing. And oh, then you just went and did it. Or um, I'm curious because th- there's this flip side of it that sometimes, and I think this is something that a lot of uh, a lot of developers or programmer types are sometimes guilty of. At least, or at least I am, because it's it's that thing. It's like, well, I'm excited about this thing and think it's awesome. So, my partner should be too, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I wonder how that job. went. I I remember I started using uh, Zed Shaw's Learn Python the Hard Way, mm-hmm. um, which is like I have some nitpicks with it now. Now that I know a lot of Python and and Django, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm kicking around the idea of me writing my own online series about intro to Python, uh, fixing so, like that's the whole book thing, which I haven't mentioned yet because I wrote the book about learning how to code. And that was just because I was like, ah, oh, I needed people need to teach Django better. I'm getting to that point with Python. So, <laughs> right. uh, but I mean, at the time it was, uh, pretty good to get me up to speed on logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Chris, Chris loves Zed Shaw. Chris. Quit. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Why is that so He's shocking snoozing. to you? No, I was just muted and listening. Uh, I do like Zed. I've met Zed in person, and I had dinner with him. I, uh, he and I were speaking at the same conference, and so uh, I had the chance to like actually talk to him quite a bit. Um, and I actually do for people who are like, getting into program. I recommend Zed Shaw stuff. Learn Python the hard way is good. His Learn C the hard way is very mm-hmm. interesting. Very interesting as well. Um, and uh, Zed's just like a really smart guy who just does not suffer fools at all. So that's yeah. kind of why. He gets, um, that's why he used to get into and doesn't as much anymore, but we get into lots of fights with people. And these days he doesn't even code anymore. He just maintains the books and he's been spending, I think gotta be the last 18 months, uh, teaching himself how to paint. That's awesome. I really, actually, that's my true secret, uh, wish over the summer is to learn how to paint. Yeah. So he taught himself how to paint and he took courses and now he's doing, uh, he's been sharing his stuff as he, as he's been doing a course on doing sculpture. And he was just like, it's like, yeah, man, the books and everything, they pay even living in the Bay area, they pay all his bills. And, um, you know, he's done all sorts of other stuff. Like he taught himself how to build guitars. So he made himself a bunch of different guitars. Awesome. Yeah. He's just, uh, 
like I know it's like an overblown term, but you talk about people, that old expression of the, uh, and it's probably horribly misogynistic as well, the Renaissance man, you know, the person yeah. that literally knows how to, <laughs> literally knows how to do everything. Zed is kind of like that. He teaches himself how to do everything. So he has a very ridiculously broad um, skill set. And when he says like, yeah, I'm going to teach myself how to paint. Yeah, he goes through it from the beginning and assumes he knows nothing and learns from people that know what they're doing and expands his own horizons and does all that stuff. It's very interesting to watch him. And then once in a while, he gets dragged back into conversations about programming with people where he just schools them as well when he's right. talking to them. So Yeah, um, I think his stuff, I still recommend his stuff in my first chapter of my of the Django book. I'm like, hey, if you need to know Python, do learn Python the hard way. Um, so yeah, his stuff is like, uh, for me now, I would say they're like 90% awesome. And then there's 10%. It's just because like, it's the same thing with me. I'm like, I'll just do it myself. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll just write my own Python introduction tutorial yeah. thing. <laughs> well, that level of motivation is strong with you, apparently, and not with a lot of other people. So that's really <laughs> cool. I mean, well, if I want to direct this conversation, because I just want to touch on something. It's funny um, yeah. about the whole like Zed Shaw does everything. That's kind of fun. I've been trying to do a little bit myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really funny when trying to find a job because that confused the hell out of so many people at companies that I wasn't like just a designer or I wasn't just a developer or I wasn't just an entrepreneur or, or CEO or something like that. Like the fact that I can do so many things when it comes to web, like two separate companies were all like, well, I don't, I'm not sure if this is what you're looking for. And I'm like, well, I'm interviewing with you. Like I can be a designer. I can be a developer. I'm just kind of like testing out these different areas. It's so frustrating. Right. That's interesting because there is such a stratification now. Yeah. And I didn't fit. I didn't fit anywhere because I don't have like deep dive skills in any of these like specialized things I was interviewing when one of the reasons why I'm a, I'm in a developer relations position because that did fit best probably with my broad experience. Uh, I was really interested in say becoming a designer at a company again, but a, I haven't been a, a like dedicated designer since my last job seven or whatever years ago. Uh, and then front end development has completely, um, it's like totally different than when I was specializing front end development. So I have no idea what's going on in front end. So I had to be dropped down to like junior level designer positions, which was frustrating because I'm mm-hmm. 31 and I don't want to be like competing with people just out of school. I don't know. Ugh, it was just awful. <laughs> it was like so, months of interviews. Right. Okay. So yeah. Like what got you out of, so this, the, you had this idea for a startup and it sounds like a pretty good idea. Like, it sounds like there's a need there. And I'm trying to think like Chris about mm-hmm. like how identifying that there's a pain point and then you, and then addressing that with, this is how we solve your problem. And it <laughs> so didn't. Startup. So, so you, uh, and, and, and so you started doing that yourself and, and, uh, and learning how to code yourself and, what what kind of what experiences it sounds like i mean part of that is just it's just amazing that you were you like we're like i'm just going to do this myself <laughs> fuck you guys i'm doing this myself and and that's really awesome uh at the same time you know that must have been really difficult too to have you know have all that on you yeah uh, I, I i feel bad cuz i want to be like i am totally awesome on my own i don't need nobody uh, but mm-hmm. my get my husband i keep bringing him up and every time i do stuff like this because he's awesome um mm-hmm. and i don't want to be like my husband did everything that's why i worry about because the whole right. tech thing anyways watching him go through a startup <laughs> again was like 
really reassuring for me because he also went through his own problems of losing his co-founder and then he had to leave actually Y Combinator. Uh, and just having someone in the same house that's going through the same thing, like we could never start a company together. We figured that out pretty quickly that we don't work well together. But in terms of like supporting each other in our individual uh, projects, we work awesomely in terms of support. So that saved, that helped me so much um, trying to get this thing off the ground and having someone in house because I was a solo founder, right? So he was essentially like the, the invisible uh, co-founder everyone talks about. They're like, oh, have a co-founder so they can support you when things are bad. So that's essentially what he did for me. Because um, mm-hmm. all the terrible times, which there were many, many, many terrible times, um, I had someone that I could talk to and, and you know, tell me that everything I'm feeling is normal. Right. Without delving into um, difficult things, what were things that were tough with this stuff? I mean, what, what, what were the things that were, were really tougher uh, parts of that process of the startup stuff that yeah. was, you know, going on. Um, the toughest part for me is actually the feeling like I let people down that I, I beat myself up over this all the time. Um, like, a like designer fund in, in San Francisco. I'm sure if I talk to them directly, I'd never say this, but, uh, they, I was part of like the original batch and, uh, we worked really directly closely with them, and I consider them really good friends, the founders, and they kind of you know, kept working with more companies. And I thought, like, oh, these founders – and one of the founders, by the way, is an official advisor of Wedding Lovely. But I didn't, like, implement a lot of the feedback he gave me because I'm stubborn. Um, and some of it was stuff I should have done. But they just kind of, like, stopped talking to me. And I re- when I realized that happened, it was, like, this feeling that I let them down, like, this feeling like they've given up on me. That's literally the most depressing thing. Like it really, like that's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night feeling like there is these people that believed in me and now they don't. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. That stinks. Okay. Yeah. That's not fun. Yeah. And, and it is, and sometimes it can feel really, uh, you know, I, I, from stories that I hear and I haven't participated in a lot of stars, but I'm at one now and, but I kind of keep my head down and I'm not, not like a, founder and talking to VC kind of type. I'm just, you know, they're doing my stuff, but you know, that stuff, I hear a lot of stories about stuff kind of, kind of being cold, you know, a little bit like where you feel like, like, well, normal thing to do would be somebody to come over and talk to you about stuff, you know, (laughs) or, and then it's suddenly just like, Oh, like I was talking to some dude the other day and he was, he used to work at this thing and was, was working through his co-founders. He had a startup. He just started in college and, and it's just like uh, the people we, he was talking to, they ended up like um, who were helping uh, doing some kind of investing in them. Uh, he thought they were going to give me money and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And then it turns out they they like bought their like his competing his competitor oh, yeah. company. And th- then <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. That was it. It was over. And, yeah. you know, they couldn't do it. Yeah. I went through like all these. Uh, I was talking with Kapoor Capital like a Mitch Kapoor's investment company up in a uh, Mitch and Frida up in Oakland. And it was like six months of meetings. And that should have been like the biggest sign for me. Like the fact that it was going on for six months should have been like, Oh yeah, they're not going to invest in me. But of course, mm-hmm. if there was a sliver of hope, I was going to like pursue it until they told me no. And right. just like, you know, after that, they're like, no, but it was just, like, it was like all these, these meetings and all this hope and all these like, okay, maybe. And then like, there are like associates that are talking about how awesome I am. But of course they're like, Oh, you're so awesome. But it's just mm-hmm. devastating. Uh, 
I went through last December. No, wait, what, what year is this? Maybe this a year and a half ago. 16, so, yeah. <laughs> wait, was it? I had, I've had multiple periods of like where I've taken, had to take a whole month off because I just give up on life. Um, because yeah. that was, I was going through the second fundraising round and that was the one with Kapoor Capital. And um, so what essentially the long story short for this was I wasn't going to do another investment round, but someone came up to me at this event. She's like, I believe in you. You're amazing. I'm going to give you this $20,000 check. I'll be your initial investor. I'm going to help you out. I want to see you succeed. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'll totally do this. And mm-hmm. so I like threw myself headfirst into fundraising. I immediately got another 5,000 check from a friend of mine which I regret because it's a friend of mine. Never do that. Uh, And then nothing else. It was like eight months of nothing, like going back and forth with with Kapoor and doing meetings like in New York and doing meetings in San Francisco until I finally said, I can't do this anymore. So I only had $25,000, which, you know, kept the company afloat for a little bit longer for just me. But Mm -hmm. I had to go back to the original investor crying, tell her I took her money, but I didn't raise the money I meant meant to do. Like again, totally failed her. Um, failed my friend that also gave me $5,000. And that was the the big down point for my, <laughs> my career was that moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad it took me I bit luckily it was like December. So I could take time off and just be like, you know, I'm just gonna be family and right. You have the holidays. Yeah. And maybe next year will be better. But gosh, it's just like, ugh. Right. Yeah. And, and so you're kind of like when you're in that position, you're so exposed to that too. And a lot of, you know, a lot of founders talk about that, 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 it, and how you have, you get, well, maybe what, that you have these things that are these really, really big highs and you have these really, oh, really, yeah. really crushing lows. And, uh, you know, it's almost a, a like a manic depressive, like, pattern you yeah, know what i mean totally uh, uh and uh it's like and, outlay. Yeah. <laughs> right 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 yeah and 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 it's different for folks who just do like hey they have they have like a stable gig and then they do some side stuff too like chris you that's kind of your model isn't it it is i mean like i know ed was joking that i was going to be telling tracy that she's doing it wrong i mean tracy probably <laughs> tracy doesn't tracy doesn't know that i i take a very um for the most part a very dim view of of startups and startup culture um in general but i respectfully kept quiet where you're talking about your experiences which are not, which are actually very typical of oh, what yeah. happens to most people so it's not like as sad as it is to say what happened to Tracy is not such a unique um, snowflake story. Uh, but in, in my case, it's kind of like I always concentrate because I do have a I do have a, a pretty good day job. So I don't necessarily all the hustle that I do is not out of necessity. It's out of desire, which I think is a very I think which produces very, very different results. In, in your case, everything was up to you. So the results of what you're doing were I don't think desperation's quite the right label, but it's more like it's it was for you and was all for you and it was up to you to keep it going. In my case, I concentrate on smaller projects. I've written a number of books, I do I've done videos, I do paid training, but it's always with what Ed mentioned before, where with the idea of I I actually spend almost as much time doing research in terms of like problems that people are talking about and what are potential solutions to them. And with my idea is kind of the opposite of the startup where the startup is like, Hey, I have this great idea and it's going to make me a ton of money. I'm always like, I already know this idea is going to make me a bunch of money before I commit any time other than just doing research. So it's a very, very different um, approach to it. Oh yeah. I mean, when I wrote my books, um, 
like that was such a better experience because that one was like, okay, I'm not going to fundraise for a book. Um, it's just going to be some little fun project I could do on the side. And it's brought me so much more joy than actually running the startup. I mean, the startup, I've, taught, I've learned a lot, but write, writing books and having them like doing Kickstarter campaigns and like having them semi-successful. I made, uh, I mean, in terms of profit last year, actually, it's more than successful. I made about $10,000 in profit last year, which is amazing um, off these two books. So like side projects, totally awesome. It saved my butt, like having something else I could work on that wasn't the startup uh, and that was doing successful and people were giving me good feedback on was like really helping out my moods. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a good little release valve for when the, yeah. the for when the, the grind gets uh, to be too much. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's great. Like I've always tried to tell people what I've managed to do over the past couple of years isn't it isn't really that difficult considering that I had like probably the only skill that I had going into this was the ability to write. Um, But everything else, like the research, the marketing, all that stuff was things that I got taught how to do by other people. So um, I do spend a lot of time on Twitter. I don't do it so much anymore because uh, to be honest, I get tired of telling people the same things over and over again. As much as I like to talk about myself, sometimes I even get bored about talking about myself. So I kind of like tell people you can do this stuff too. It's it's what I've done is actually quite easily reproducible. But because um, uh, my my product development mentor is Amy Hoy. I don't know if you know who Amy. Oh Hoy yeah, is. I got to meet okay, her so the first time. Uh, oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So so I've known Amy for a very long time since two thousand. I want to say two thousand. 2004, something like that. So I've known her for quite a long time and I resisted taking her, um, her product development courses uh, mm. for a number of years. And I finally bit the bullet and did it. And um, I made the money back that I paid from the course, like in the day of my launch. So that's awesome. So it's, you know, the idea of you'd have the, you have your main interest and then you're doing these things on the side. It's always the thing on the side. I always tell people, well, you want to kind of make sure that this thing is going to actually work. Um, before you commit time to it because uh, time is the, you can always make more money. You can always find another job, but you can't make more time. So especially cause I have a, a wife and, and kids and, and stupid hobbies outside of the day job and stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's always that I never, I never have enough time to do all the things that I want to do. So I had to get very ruthless about what honestly ruthless about what I was spending my time on. And it was kind of like, if it's not the day job and it's not, if it's not day job, hobby, or, you know, hanging out with my family, it better be making me money. So, yeah. um, so, uh, I mean, you talk about making 10 grand in profit. I think, uh, Amy and her partner, Alex Hillman, who I'm, I'm sure you probably met at microconf as well. Did you meet yeah. Alex? Okay. Uh, no, I actually, um, sorry. I know he wasn't there the day, uh, right. that was there, which was sad. Cool. Well, anyway, they, he told me I should probably sit down sometime and like graph my income and progression off of my side stuff. So I'm pretty sure, uh, sometime, or sometime towards the middle of last year, I passed sixty grand in my pocket from all my side stuff in the last, got to be the last four years, or th- three or four years, something like that. So super awesome. That that is a nice chunk of change, and I have my uh, accountant is very happy that I set up a company to run all those things through. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, having something on the side is is important too, also because it can be the the um. The stress out of that. I honestly don't know how 
happy and productive I would be doing these info products, the books and other stuff, if that was my main job, because I think it would suffer from the same problem. It would start to resemble a grind instead of something where I've already established that this thing's going to make money. I just need to execute and finish, uh, you know, execute on the idea and get it done. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my thing about startups and side things. Yeah. So, all right. So, well, so I think I'll we're, see. I think we're going to lose Tracy in a moment, but, uh, but Ed, you and I can talk about some other stuff afterwards if you like. Well, well I just, I just had a message. I was like, well, this is too much fun. I will tell my <laughs> husband that he's wait 10 more minutes yeah. for dinner. <laughs> yeah, suck it. <laughs> suck it, husband. All right. So, so much but, to say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you know, glad. you know, Tracy, we can always have you uh, back on, um, for like a second, uh, follow up episode once, uh, Gosh. you, uh, once you uh, get all settled in and packed up and, and you're actually in the proper Gosh. time zone, in the proper oh time God. zone instead of out, well, in, uh, out on the left coast. Pretty much my, my life has got to be hellish for, from between now and like eh, July or well, even more of it longer than that. Cause I'm going to, uh, OzCon in Austin, and I'm going to speak at self-conference and then I'm going to Portland to speak at Ride the Docs. And then I'm going, staying in Portland to speak at, and give a tutorial at PyCon. And I'm not done yet. Cause I have to come home, run a meetup for my company while I'm here. And then I have one week to pack the house and then I have to fly to Atlanta for a company event. And I fly back and I have two days and then we fly to Toronto so my life is going to be like, <laughs> soon. Yeah, we can, we can wait. We can wait. We can wait till August. No big deal. I just want to rant. I have to get that off my shoulders because it's kind yeah. of scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> no, I, I, my, uh, my June particularly is going to be rough. I've got, uh, one week where it's gonna, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to fly on Sunday to Atlanta, Orlando, and then I'm going to fly Tuesday to Portland. And then I'm going to fly back Saturday to Indianapolis. Yeehaw. Uh, yeah, that'll be a fun week. Um, you're, not happy, you're not going to PyCon, are you? I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm going to Open Source Bridge. Ah, um, see, I wanted to go to that, but they denied me. And denied, I'm sad. Denied. Denied. Uh, so, so, yeah. But, well, so ex- I want you to give us a, a little a quick uh, bit about um, this process. And you're, so you're a native of the Bay area resentful of all these people coming in, stealing your <laughs> jobs and driving up the cost of living. And hey, I, that does, that does affect me. I have no rent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no rent. Screw y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but so what is, so, uh, this, uh, and, but you're moving to Toronto and yeah. as I understand it, that you're moving in across the street from Chris. <laughs> Pretty much, he's gonna have to look. So they're at gonna replace the uh, drug dealer, so yeah, you can be right next to the you can be right next to the meth dealer. Uh, it'll be perfect. Yeah. All so right, speaking right. of my new job, no, <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you it's meth? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's. I, I'm spending a lot of times traveling and speaking at conferences, and I was gone for pretty much the entire month of last November, and mm-hmm. I realized that uh, um, I was leaving my husband at home, and he was getting lonely, and that while having no no rent is nice, we we're kind of stuck with no one around us in South San Jose. So moving to Toronto means we have lots of friends up there. He's originally from Toronto. His family was in Vaughan, but he went to U of T. Uh, so it'll be good. It'll be look a cool t- transition. Look at you talking like a native U of T. Look at that. Eh? I, this is all the things I always, I say it at Toronto too. I don't do the two to at the end. It's Toronto. Like it's everyone just Tor- like Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. They all like blur it together. It's like the people saying, um, SF Bay area. They call it the barrier. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, well, that's closer to me. So that's why I know it. But yeah, you don't funny. say Louisville. 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 Well, people, I went to San, uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and everyone calls it San Luis Obispo. Like we're not from there. Oh, it drives right. me nuts. Right, 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 it's right. It's not right. San Luis Obispo. 
So this was this was primarily personal reasons why you guys are heading out uh, yeah. to Toronto. It wasn't like, oh, I got a gig, but you do have a gig. You're, uh, but you're working remotely. And yeah, it's can you actually. Give it? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I got kind of excited. The That's funny okay. thing is, um, I applied for this job as a. Uh, for a like remote job, I told them I'm moving to Toronto. It turns out their office is where I where I am right now. Before I'm moving, it's just like a eight minute drive. Oh my gosh! And I was like, oh, you're in this area, and I'm moving away. Sorry. So I guess I'm staying remote. Uh, mm-hmm. That's cool. I can go in the office and sit in my cube, and I'm like, oh, I have a cube now, and ooh, free coffee, ooh, free snacks, and I steal all the snacks. Right. Uh, so that's, I mean, I get that experience. But um, yeah, remote job because uh, I'm doing the whole developer relations bit. They're expecting me to fly everywhere anyways. So right. it works out pretty well in that aspect. Um, yeah, it's Dream Factory. I should mention that. They'd be mad at me if I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Dream Factory. We build, we're an auto, uh, crap. See, I'm not really bad at the the blurb. I'm only like a month and a half in. Um, it's a API platform. Builds okay. an automatic API. Open source. Oh, fancy. Buzzwords. Oh, I like that. Buzzword. Buzzwords. Um, yeah, they're a pretty cool company. I my boss is amazing. I pretty much joined because of her, um, Jess uh, Jessica Rose. So she's the one who convinced me to join up. Oh, now I know why I heard of this company. Yes, I know <laughs> Jessica quite well. Yeah, so I was yeah. busy telling I was busy telling her how weak she was because she was jet lagged when we were in Australia together. So oh, you're in Australia too. Yeah, she was yeah, whining a lot to conference. me. Yeah, yeah. No, speaking at the same conference. So I only know her from online, and yet she convinced me to join her as her minion. So. That's pretty cool. She is an awesome person. Oh, man. Uh, See, now she's going to listen to this and she's going to hear me like completely borking the hi, I'm Tracy from Dream Factory part. Uh, Sorry, Jess. Uh, <laughs> I'm still going on my review. Well, look, you didn't listen to the podcast, so surely she won't either. Nobody, there's nobody that listens to this. This is fine. Yeah, yeah the problem is like they always, they always announce at the company, they're like, oh my God, our developer relations person did this. And so everyone's probably going to listen to this. Oh, yeah. And they're going to know the stellar uh, 17 and a half seconds you spent espousing what the company does. So that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Don't worry. You're doing it it better than a lot of our friends who we know who are developer uh, relations people. So don't worry. Yeah. This is my problem with drinking a beer. I'll be on a podcast. I kind of forget that I'm supposed to be working. Yeah. Screw it. This is how you do it. Right. You work. Believe me, I've been working remote for five years. You are drinking 24 7. It is not a problem. (laughs) I love beer. Five, it is a five. You're, you're, you're a rookie. I've been working remote for 10. Yeah, okay, fair. That's true. True. Old, gonna... old hand at the remote stuff. Now, yeah. what about lo- you loving beer? I love beer. Beer is my favorite. It's actually mm. very dangerous for me to be anywhere near a brewery. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I don't like beer. I think I like ciders. Oh, I love everything. Love I should I, expand that. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Fair I enough. have nothing I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but I don't I don't like beer. Uh, I like a couple mixed drinks, but that's about it. Um, well, okay. Yeah. So everyone like is, people who are like super beer lovers are like IPAs. So okay, I will drink all beers. Mm-hmm. IPAs mm-hmm. are my least favorite because uh-huh. my thing is I'm a hiker. I like to do a lot of backpacky outdoorsy, like mm-hmm. go climb mountains. My favorite thing in the entire world is like doing something really physically active, like doing the big hike and then yeah. having a giant beer at the end. And it has to be I like a light that- beer. And, like, I not like, tra- and then I can see Tracy taking the can and just crushing it against her forehead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. And then throws, throws it into the, throws it off the top of the hill that she just hiked up. That's oh yeah. 
And I got to correct myself because I said light beer and that's going to be misconstrued as in like Bud Light or whatnot. I meant like light colored beer as in lager or Pilsner. I'm going to hold on to my my beer cred here because someone might be listening to this going, ah, thinking I meant like Bud Light. (laughs) You'll like Toronto. Toronto. The Ontario uh, craft market beer scene is actually pretty good. So I've been really scared about the whole LCBO beer store thing because I'm used to California where I can get beer everywhere. Mm. So what's different about, 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 about Toronto in this respect? I, I live in a, a state where you cannot buy any alcohol on Sunday, so I'm familiar with weird laws. But Why? yeah, I know. Right? I'll let you'll Chris. Get, you'll, get used, you'll get used to the beer store and LCBO thing. It's just it's convenient that you don't have to hunt down the one, uh, the one uh, dilapidated liquor store in the bad area of town that carries the beer that you like. They can or they'll order stuff for you too. So you can just say, oh, I want, oh, I want to get this stuff that they can. Order. They're like, yeah, sure, we'll order it for you. No problem. You'll. Uh, oh, I'm in the Bay Area. I don't go to dilapidated yeah. corner store. I go to the hipster beer market with all the craft stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, we don't have those, so it's a welcome yeah, change. That's <laughs> I actually just discovered in in San Francisco. Just now that I'm leaving, there is a like, um, what do you call it? It's all they have is liquor, and it's all like fancy pants, small batch, super hipster liquors. And I walked in, and it was like, oh, like all this like glorious, amazing stuff I want to try. But I'm moving, and I I had to look up the import whatever laws for bringing alcohol. I'm like, how could I bring this with me? And it's going to be really hard. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I sound like an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, chill on that a little bit. Right. Okay. All right. I know well, the- that, that seems to be a requisite skill for developer uh, relations person. So again, oh, yeah. check mark in the, in the right. skill set there. Who's ready to get tore up. <laughs> See Jess, as she listens to this podcast, See, I'm, a, I'm a good developer relations person. I like beer. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, how much, or how much are you going to be flying around this dev relations thing? Because my experience has been like I thought maybe I'd be good at dev relations. <laughs> like I, I like talking. <laughs> shut your mouth. You shut your damn mouth. I like talking and I like teaching people stuff. I like talking about uh, you know things and and trying to enable people to be successful and stuff like that. What I don't like is like flying three weeks out of the month, right? Yeah, that's that's me. That's as of tomorrow morning as I fly out six six something a.m., which will be fun. Uh, so I flew so much last year that I somehow got a, like status on American Airlines. So I'm like gold, like the lowest of the oh, statuses. Yeah, right. I gotcha. But the mere fact that I have one flight, they bumped me to business class. I'm like, this is amazing. What so, uh, I know that happened to me like the first <laughs> time, like a couple months ago. And I was ah, like, shit, my pants. It was amazing. Just, I'm like, this is my life now. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to be in business class from now on. If I can. Yeah. Here's a, here's that. a here's a pro tip for you. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I just saw what Chris tweeted. Um, is is you get? Do you have? Well, maybe you already have it. Do you have one of those uh, like airline credit cards that gives you miles? Because that I, uh, has, I have the Starwood card that gives me okay. that gives me Starwood points. So I can convert. Oh, okay. Miles. So yeah. you do you do that then? Oh, okay, yeah. I got. Gotcha. I have actually three Starwood cards, so I actually have gold status on Starwood as well because of mm-hmm. all this. So I Very went nice. into a hotel and they're like, "Excuse me, gold status person, you can go into a special room to check right. in, not right. with the rest of the plebs out here." Yeah. What? Right. What? Yeah, exactly. What uh, you can uh, you can step in here and away from these pores. Yeah, we have water, yeah. like bottled water here for your refreshment. Oh, and I was like, you thank get, you. <laughs> you get the secret good Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, yep. I, that, that's the only reason I could do this, actually, is I can get, these perks make me like unreasonably happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Like the fact that, okay, so like boarding an airline, this whole American Airlines gold thing is totally worth it because I have this like panic every time that I'm not going to be able to put my bag in the upper overhead space. Yes, so I'm like, fami- very familiar with that uh, experience. I, yeah. I feel like so anxious and panicked about anytime I'm not, you know, boarding first, I'm like, oh no, what if there's not spot? What if I'm going to have to check my bag? What if my bag gets lost? Like what if my bag's not mm-hmm. with me? And it's just yep. like, so like American Airlines, I can, you know, gold status, but like gold status, go first. And I'm like, ah, I know I have a bin. Like uh-huh. it just like relieves so much stress. Just that one little thing. No. Yep. No, that's a, it's a, that's a big thing for me is I freak out about that stuff too. So, uh, so, and, and I have Delta silver medallion or whatever, which is probably like some kind of thing. And it's like, Oh, I get to book before these, uh, jerk offs who are going to steal all the overhead bins. So yeah, it's awesome. Like that's only the reason why this can make it worth it. I got, uh, I got dream factors going to listen to this. I had to book Delta Delta to go to, um, our training in Atlanta for June. Right. And I'm just like devastated because it's not American airlines. And I'm like, I'm going to have to go back to pleb class. Like You're I'm not going to get, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, not going to get any miles. Yeah, right. I know I'm not going to get miles. Like I'm like, this is a wasted flight. Get, yeah. <laughs> get them to, uh, to give you the, uh, like Delta comfort plus seats. And when you pay for they you pay a little bit more, but there's like six, like a, a few more inches of room, but you oh also God. get to board earlier. Oh my God. So the, I was also told I had to book through their, um, uh, their travel agent, oh, and Jesus I had no Christ. option to do that. It's actually really stressful for me to have someone else book oh, these things I, for me. I hate that. Yes, I don't you, like it at all. I was actually going planning on ranting about it. If, if you could, well, here's another thing I've done because I've had people book flights for me, and what I'll do is I will just pay out of my pocket to get into the Comfort Plus thing because it's it's just better. Yeah, I now I know, and I don't think I could do that. Right. Oh so gosh. it this, might be this. too late for you, but you might still be able to upgrade. You could go when, when you go to check in, you might be able to. Yeah, so that's a good you can point. I, I will actually probably do that because, yeah, yeah, you know, I think it's worth it, especially if the flight is more than like a couple hours. It's otherwise you're like, can't move. You know, yeah. I don't even know how Chris deals with it because Chris, you're six foot five, right? Oh, my gosh. Uh, actually, actually I, we had an interesting discussion here at the house, but I'm actually six Almost six four. We had to measure some people for some reason, but That's weird. yes, I always uh, I always try to book the uh, premium economy stuff. So I had to do that just so I could have some room and wouldn't kill myself uh, when I went to Australia. So I had to take a detour through Hong Kong. So I went fifteen hours from Toronto to Hong Kong and a two hour layover, and then uh, nine hours from Hong Kong to Sydney. So, but it was Ooh. in the premium economy. And it was actually uh, I went with Cathay Pacific, and it was awesome. There was plenty of leg room, plenty plenty of width in the seats, and. Um, I could uh, I could see the uh, the one percenters up in uh, up in business class just in front of me with their little with their little pods with the oh, yeah. with the with the seats that go all the way down so they could actually sleep. Although a friend of mine who flies a lot said um, for a, a person of my size that those seats would be no good because they because it said you won't even be I wouldn't be able to actually lay straight out. I would be like uh, have to be like curled up in a fetal position to fit on them anyway. So right, yeah. that's how I sleep. So that's this is my dream is to to right. land in one of those pods someday. I've never done it. It's just how I work in a fetal position. <laughs> um, well, you know, Tracy, I know you, you've got to get uh, going. Now I, I should go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to hear your husband yelling in the background. Where am I better? Yeah. <laughs> Crying. It would probably be more likely to be my cat, actually. I'm actually really surprised my cat is not at the door screaming his head oh, off because he can hear me talking. Thinks yeah, I'm right. talking to him. And then he wants to talk back. Well, yeah. Yeah. He's like, That's oh, my right. God, I'm not there to talk to you. I'm like, I'm talking to the computer, <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I want to jump in right now because I'm, like, feeling super embarrassed about the whole Dream Factory thing. They're amazing. Oh 
So I'm just going to cover my tracks just okay. now. Very good. They're an yes. awesome company. They're taking care of me. This land of things going to be super awesome. I'm super happy about working with them. They're like the one place I could imagine working at, uh, you know, after working for myself for so long. So, okay. Tracks covered. They're amazing. I okay. mean, all of that. <laughs> you just saved your, your, your brand new job. You just, I know, you know I know. I'm still like, in probationary period. I'm like, oh crap. When this comes out, I'm like, oh, they'll tweet this. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm too well, we used can, to be able to shoot the shit at my own. Like now, I have a boss. I have to be like, be careful about. It. <laughs> we, we can uh, we can try to uh, to time it so that this doesn't come out until your probationary period right? is over. So oh yeah, yeah. that's right. That is a thing. Shit. Yeah, I can <laughs> I can totally do that. That's no problem. I'm very good at sitting on episodes and not not shipping them for a while. So yeah, I'll be in touch with dates. Yeah, very good, very good, very good. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, I gotta want to say thanks so much for coming on. It was really, really yeah. good. Uh, I mean, and, and I, evening with a beer of friends. It's pretty cool. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, definitely. I think it'd be cool to, to follow up, uh, uh, later sometime. Uh, Chris, do you have any, I, I'm sure you're bursting with questions that you want to say, but, um, you know, next I time. Guess. Yeah, we, we can save it. We, we can save two. it for the follow up. What, what you should try to do, uh, Tracy is make sure you, uh, stick around that you're going to be in town in, in, in Toronto, uh, the first week in November, because um, that's when oh yeah, uh, that's when the conference I run. Uh, it's a PHP centric one. The conference I run, uh, we're doing our last ever version of it. Um, so Ed will likely be coming to Ooh. do it to do his "I am crazy and so can you" talk that he likes yeah. to give. So, so uh, hopefully you can be around and uh, I can uh, hop in my little BMW and drive uh, Ed into <laughs> downtown into downtown Toronto and we can hang out and drink some uh, crafty Ontario beers. I will be there. I'm saying that for sure. Unless I have like family obligations, anything Sweet. else, I'll be there. No, that's stupid. Sweet. Don't do that. Just say you block. Just <laughs> you block said November. It so okay, here's the thing. Side note: before we have to go, um, mm. the mere fact that you know I'm American, and you know we have our Thanksgiving in November, and then Canada has their Thanksgiving in October. That is my favorite holiday, and I get two now. I am so excited. Yeah, it is. It is. It is pretty sweet. I always say it's that's one of the kind of the perks of working because uh, I've worked for like American centric places remotely all the time. So it's like I kind of get like two Thanksgivings because nice. during that during that week when when it's American Thanksgiving, man, the office is always a ghost town. So it's like I don't, I, it's like it's like I like I tell people I am the master of the in chair uh, sabbatical. So uh-huh. it's, uh, it's, I was it's gonna say I'm good. talking about the food. I love the food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> food, food is good to- too. But but I actually I do. Uh, I did, past couple of years, I, I have actually started doing um, uh, American Thanksgiving meal at the house too, in honor of uh, in honor of my employers. So, fair enough. Well, As you should, uh, you should take on the customs of your masters. <laughs> well, although technically I'm employed by Mozilla Canada, so I guess I do have a Canadian. Yeah, but Canadian I just mean employer. the entire country should really no, sure. your your country should take on those. Yeah, I just customs. wish I was getting paid in freedom dollars instead of the snow peso. Uh, my bank account would be so much better. Mm-hmm. It's another mm-hmm. advantage of me working for an American company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. Okay, I really should go. Sweet Yankee dollars. <laughs> okay, well, hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Tracy. We'll definitely have you back on to do uh, part two of, uh, of your life yeah. story. High five, everybody. And that, everybody, was Tracy Osborne of Dream Factory Developer Relations. And uh, we're here with some uh, post-game chatter with uh with uh chris and uh, myself ed finkler uh chris how did you feel about that uh yeah i wish we had more time because we could have talked for easy another 45 minutes 
uh, pretty easy. Uh, yeah. Tracy, like any good uh, dev relations person, um, loves to talk and loves to drink. So that's uh, that's they go with that. I mean, that's it's a, it's a skill set that you need need to have to survive. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's going to be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to talk a little bit more about. Um, I mean, what. I know you said I kind of tongue in cheek about the startup thing, but yeah, her her story was kind of. I just was on mute because I was just like, I was I was thinking, good thing I have uh, uh, universal health care because I rolled my eyes back into my head so much it hurt. So I can go to the clinic tomorrow and get that looked after. Uh, I think it's, I, I actually it's, think health care is like a big factor for like what makes it harder to to do that shit and why like it can only be done by like twenty one year olds. Well, not only, but it's easier when you're doing that. Of course, maybe yeah, you're just stupid I, too. I, I agree. It's because it's kind of like it means people have to have uh, higher levels of risk acceptance. I mean, you, yeah. you look at you look at Canada, right? The startup scene in Canada. I mean, it's not that big a thing, but that also it has a lot to do with. Uh, just the size of the country. It's like, I look at stuff like how much easier the like consulting and training life could be for me if I happen to be based in the U S but I'm in Canada to go into the U S technically I need a visa. So I have to be super careful about the type of work mm-hmm. that I actually do. Like if I do training, technically I'm only supposed to do remote stuff and not travel into the U S because technically I need a work visa. And, you know, when you go to the border, you have to be very, very careful right. about what you're saying. If you happen to be going down there and doing a little bit of work, because basically all I can really do is, is go to meetings. Like I remember when I would go down to the, the Cinecore offices in mm-hmm. Buffalo, I would technically be there mostly to do meetings, but that's what you had to say. You had to say, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm here for meetings and training. That's um, because- what, and Sean Coates was, always said the same thing when, yeah, he would, he, when he'd come into the States. Yeah. He'd like, meetings, yep, just meetings, meetings, no, nothing else, meetings. Now, technically, I could show up and apply for a visa right on the spot when I show up at the border, but you always mm-hmm. run the risk of like getting refused. And I know from my talks with the folks at Cinecore, um, they were like 99.99% convinced that I would have no problem getting um, uh, a one-year uh, renewable visa through, because there's a clause. So you know how Phil Sturgeon has that like alien of uh, awesome talent or whatever. Oh, right, um, yeah. That mm-hmm. that type of visa, right? Well, there's a way for Canadians that have technical skills to get a visa through the uh, North American Free Trade Agreement. So they're ones where I would qualify as an expert in my field because I have more than enough experience and more than enough, more than enough proof through my books and other stuff to prove that I'm an expert in my field. So I could get a one-year visa to be able to legally work in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. um, that's something if I ever decide to go solo. And to be honest, Mozilla is treating me pretty good, and their bonus structure is pretty goddamn good. So I don't don't want to – like, I'll tell you what it is off the air. I just blew my mind. And uh, Mm -hmm. – but yes, like why I don't want to give up the Mozilla life. It looks like it's going to be a really good fit for the type of things that I want to do. But if I ever, you know, if things change in a couple of years and I want to go the consultant route, then I'll have to pursue that visa. And you literally show up at mm. the border and say, uh, I'd like to go into the U.S. to do this work and I'm applying for a visa. And they can grant it to you on the spot or they can just say, nope, not today. Um, so. So you just have to go get a hotel and come back the next day. Yeah, basically, that's because a right. friend of mine, uh, Joe Rainsberger, uh, was talking to me about that process. And like, yeah, you literally show up at the border and say, I'm applying for a visa, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Here's all my documentation. You go into a room, you sit there for like an hour or two while they uh, while they go over your stuff and make sure you qualify. And it'll be either, yes, you can come or come back tomorrow or nope, never going right. to get in uh, for no. whatever reason. 
But I think because I have that because uh, I have that Nexus program card, since I've already done like the background checks and all that other stuff, that would smooth over my ability to get that visa as well. So one but, hopes. Another thing it might help is if you marry somebody in the states. Well, that ship has kind of sailed. So oh my bad. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Having a second family in the states doesn't count either. Oh, a secret family. I I thought yeah. that was what we all did by the time yeah. we were forty five or so. Yeah. yeah, my wife would always joke about my family in Buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you weren't done the other work. You were just there to show up to keep the other family happy. And I'm like, I'm like, that's I'm like, I'm lazy about that sort of stuff. That that just sounds like way too much work to have another whole secret family on the side and string them along and yeah, that, pay yeah. for all their stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, that does sound rough. Yeah, yeah. you better pretty, be pretty rich to pull that one off. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm not that rich. Yeah. Um, so uh, if my startup doesn't work out, you're going to need to get me a job at Mozilla. I think. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm sure we can find something for you to do. Okay, yeah. Uh, maybe I can uh, I can draw some pictures of foxes. Or you just, uh, just got to keep checking that careers.mozilla.com yep. page where everything's uh, where where everything's all uh, all listed there. Yep. No, but it's important. I have an in. I need an in. Oh yeah, I can. Well, you, you know Laura Thompson as well, so you're just as connected to it as I was. She did get me. She did get me an interview at one thing that didn't work out so well though. But I think I know better now what what, what I'd be getting into. Sure, man. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was a really good talk that we had. Um, I think that uh, I'm excited to have her back on. I think it's really cool. Um, and uh, I think it's neat that it's it's interesting to hear. You know, somebody who's kind of who uh, I guess there was a couple things that I think are really cool. One, um, uh, somebody who, uh, you know, was working in the normal private sector kind of job and then uh, decided that they wanted to do their own thing because they were sick of this crap and uh, and did that for a while and to, to some sustainability. And then. Um, also teach themselves like, Hey, I'm just going to teach myself how to do this, you know, how to do this stuff. And then in fact, you know, she didn't really talk about it much, but she's written, she wrote a book called hello web app that is basically kind of aimed at designers to teach them how to set up and, and, and work on Django websites and uh to build a website using django and actually doing coding you know it's not it's not just like you click a button you know and it's a one click install or something and uh so and 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 so uh she had you know she a lot of aspects that i think were you know that aspect reminded me a lot of the the work that you do um uh, on the side brightening and uh anyway i think it's really cool i think dream factory is really lucky to have her because she's going to be awesome yeah, so, her yeah. boss is awesome. Jess is very, very cool. I like her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tracy mentioned that it's possible we might have Jess on real soon. Uh, so uh, I just got to get back with her on with some dates. So I think that's going to be really cool. Uh, Dream Factory actually looks like a really interesting platform. So I'm going to have to look at that sometime. Um, but, yeah. Yeah it, may, yeah, it makes me wonder because, I mean, I, I know, I don't know, where are we on the adoption curve for – uh, everyone has to have an API. I just wonder uh, uh, where the industry is on that adoption curve. Because you know how all these tech, technology—it's all about the adoption curve, right? Like, are, right. We, are, are we on the, the? Are we still at the rising point of everybody needs an API, or have we reached the peak, or are we starting to uh, slide down to the bottom? Because I mean, if you look at some recent technology, it's kind of interesting too when we look about it. It's because, like, it's interesting that you and I have been around to see the uh, rise and rapid. Um, 
what the hell is the word I'm looking for? Uh, acceptance of uh, Ruby on Rails. Yeah. Right. Right. And now you can definitely see that Ruby and Rails, they reached their peak a couple of years ago, actually. And now yeah. it's slowly sliding down into the uh, mature languages that are just there to get stuff done. And it's no longer the hotness. And now I think if you look at Node, I believe Node reached its peak, I would say actually maybe last year or 2014. And mm. now all the pain points of the culture, the development culture, not the, not the, not the uh, work culture, but the, like how people build things with Node, yeah. the pain of that is now starting to drive it down. And basically all the people that can't stand to have any impediments in their work are now leaving Node to like whatever the functional programming hotness is. I mean, it's... Yeah, it, you know, it, and there's it's always that, now that the, right? Because now the pain of like, oh, all these practices that everyone uh, cargo culted around on the way up, oh, they're actually harmful now. All these little small modules and, and all this other stuff, things that more experienced developers in lots of other languages have been complaining about as things that are actually negatives when you have an app that needs to exist for more than six weeks. Right. Uh, they're now being firmly felt by the node people. And then, and then rather than if you look at PHP, where uh, the composer folks helped solve what was a very huge pain point. Right. People for the node side of things are just some of them. It seems like the vast majority of node developers, because uh, Justin Searles talked about this earlier today on Twitter, about mm-hmm. wanting to fix this sort of problem with all these, of making node apps out of all these little teeny tiny modules that have all these dependencies and all the, all these other little teeny tiny modules and people reinventing things that don't need to be reinvented because the good, stable, solid, accepted solution exists. People, instead of like digging into node, they're literally going, they're literally doing the, this is dumb. And they're just leaving and going doing other stuff, which I think is very, I think it's very interesting that perhaps that node uh, is not having the staying power that people thought it was going to have. That once the going got tough, all the uh, pop culture programmers are jumping onto other things, which is, I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I sort of feel like, I mean, I can only speak anecdotally. I don't have a lot of, you know, research info on this or anything like that. But I have to admit that I look at node as a, okay, do I want to use node as a, like a primary platform for building a web application on it? And I'm kind of like, I'm not really sure what it necessarily offers me in terms of either rapid development or tooling or this, that several other languages aren't already more mature with and are, offer me more things. I mean, they, you don't have some of the really very, very solid uh, battle tested uh, libraries have been around a lot like uh, PHP ORMs. Like, I know I'm not necessarily a huge fan of doctrine, but like a doctrine or like uh, uh, SQL alchemy, you know, in Python um uh, or so let's say rails on uh, you know as a, as a whole stack framework in Ruby um, those aren't easily replaceable and it's and, and so you know it, it does it's kind of like well yeah I could use node here and there but when I think about like do I want to build everything on top of it I'm kind of just for the stuff that I tend to do that's probably not 
what I want to do. I don't see a great advantage to doing it that way. Now, other people will have different experiences and that's all fine, you know, whatever. But it, I don't see a lot of compelling, like, oh my gosh, yes, that's a, that there's really a lot of super exciting stuff about it. That's clearly going to be better. You know, I was looking at TOB index and it came up because I was, uh, yesterday I was uh, helping out with a, like a teaching kids to code class um, at our co-working studio, uh, some, some kids came in and I was just kind of helping out with being sort of a TA, you know, helping out with, uh, them when they were doing exercises and stuff. But in the middle of it on a break, um, the instructor was talking to one of the, the other TA there and he was, uh, showing like the TOB and actually I think maybe he was showing the TOB index to the whole class because it was like different, different programming languages there are, you know, um, and, you know, the top three are still like the top three that have been around for like the past 20 years, Java, C and C++. Yeah, because the thing is, the, like, they're going to be around forever, because right. if you look at it in terms of like much of the um, infrastructure mm-hmm. of the Internet uh, is built on those three things, Java, C and C++. And, if, yeah. and, and also, but it also highlights the thing I've told uh, people have asked me about programming stuff. I'm like. One of the dirty secrets of programming is that boring technologies pay good money. Uh, oh yeah, to, right, and they pay all the bills. And like chasing chasing the the latest technology is the surest way to like never be happy and and always end up with. Uh, I think it, it fosters a mentality of like of giving up before you get to the finish. It's like you, you get in this habit of as soon as you use a tool or a language where there's any kind of impediment in your mind where it's like, well, this thing doesn't work the way that I want it to. So I'm out of here. Um, there's a real danger in that you never develop uh, a correct set of problem solving skills to like really drill down and, and change your focus from I'm like, you know, change your focus from I'm building let's say something like I'm building Elixir apps instead right. of like, no, no, no. What you're trying to do is solve problems. Yes. And the, the key is to understand what tools solve that problem. The, well, uh, right. like, it, like, isn't it that, that whole tweet storm you did the other day where you're ironically doing stuff in all caps, right? Talking yeah, about that, right. that where some guy's saying, can't people switch, uh, languages without writing blog posts where that guy was <laughs> yeah, right. with a really, really set of self-serving arguments about why he doesn't want to use rails. Why can't somebody just fix it? And there were the predictable, Oh, well, you know, Elixir happens to be the hot thing. Cause it's, uh, it's a language created by a guy who was a, a core Ruby or core rails guy. And it's Erlang and it's blah, blah, blah. And people are like, Oh, Erlang and Phoenix solve all your problems. Like, no, they don't. You fuckheads. That's what you don't understand. It's the same problems. The problem is the environment. The web is very constrained in what you do, and right. all these tools are just uh, all these tools are trying to do is is fix some of these problems to make them easier for the developer. My personal opinion about languages that are supposed to handle concurrency is that you want the all the stuff for concurrency to be invisible. The developer should not have to think about it; yeah. shouldn't have to worry about it. So any language that makes concurrency easy to do is like you write the code and you don't have to worry like you look at node node is always callback hell right yeah promises and all these callbacks and then you look at something like go go handles concurrency stuff a little bit differently it's using channels and other stuff so it doesn't seem to have the same 
problem with callbacks, but at the same time, you still have to be aware you need to write things in a certain style to handle concurrency. So right. it's always like you're just trading problems off, right? Well, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, well, and people, it's not like uh, Node is still single threaded. Yes. It's the, uh, it's, so it's not actually doing concurrency. It just, it does asynchronous processing so but it's balancing it all on a single thread whereas the the difference in the stuff that gets interesting about something like go or rust is that it makes it has an easier process for doing actual actually doing multiple things at the same time which some people are going to need tight control over that and like like detailed control but most people what you 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 know they don't really give a shit about that. There's only occasional things where they're just like, yeah, I want to break this off and run this process out and do that. But the, but particularly web apps, it's just not, it, that's, that's just not typically an issue. I mean, web apps are about concurrency, but not necessarily sharing data. And you're trying to, it's all part of the same task. You're having concurrent, like you're serving up, concurrent stuff to lots of different browser clients, right? That's the kind of concurrency you care about. And that's a thing that's really the issue of, well, what's the processing model go about? And that's stuff that people who are actually writing the guts, they care about that shit, right? Yeah. The, the people who are writing system level stuff, the people like us, we don't give a shit about that. You know, um, it's just, Hey, does it, is it, does it run fast enough so that, my customers can get to it and they're not waiting like five or six seconds for the page to load. That is the only reason, which gets back to the whole point that all this stuff at the end of the day, the only reason any of this stuff matters is that it accomplishes a task for the users of your, of the thing that you're creating. And if it does that great. And if it doesn't do that, you failed and it is irrelevant what the technology is to anybody except, uh, you just happen to be, but that you're not what, what it's about, right? This isn't about you developer. It's about your customers. It's about your users. Yeah. You know? And I think though people eventually it's, it just, it, you know, I think it was Aaron was asking what's considered a senior developer. And, uh, I was struggling to come up with non-sarcastic responses to Aaron, about oh, right. it. but I think, I think you highlighted one of those things like you become a senior developer when you real, when you understand your that the people that uh, unless you're creating a tool for a developer nobody cares what you built it with. So yeah. um it just has to work. And I think uh I think a lot of developers never get past that stage. Uh they keep ch they keep uh chasing uh, I, I think it's one of these things too like you can I think developers should do uh, startups tend to focus on fancy, uh, like the newest uh, chance to use newest cutting edge tools to build something new and cutting edge. Well, and then you, you can, and then you have, yeah. hold on, let me finish. And then you have people who are doing the agency work, right? Yep. Yes. So they're, they're using the same things. They're doing the same thing over and over again, usually yes. at the agency level. And then you have the people working for more established companies and those can be all over the place. But I've found at established companies, usually what happens is that you get an opportunity to use something new as a small portion of a project as opposed to the new and fancy uh, at the startup level, the new and fancy is the center of the project instead of just as a complementary tool. Right. So I, I think, uh, I, I kind of think that's some people, if they're all, if they enjoy working at startups then you can almost guarantee they're going to be constantly churning through 
um, the technologies that they use. The, the next company, they always want to use the cutting edge thing because they, they think they think it's about the technology when it's when it, it should be about um, how quickly, like if more startups focused on the idea of how quickly can I solve this problem for people, mm-hmm. um, the, I think the startup scene would be a, a lot more healthy, but it just, it's still just, it, it's, we can get in. I think I can have a much more interesting and animated discussion with Tracy the next time she comes back when we talk about her wedding related idea and we can kind of talk about my opinions on startups and solving problems and, and find out from Tracy, like uh, get some honest discussion on both sides about, did you think about this? Like, what were you thinking about? It was this just a typical thing. I have this great idea and why doesn't everyone else love it? Um, right. That sort of idea that just, just permeates, um, permeates the, uh, the startup scene. And I just, I get tempted to unfollow and block people sometimes when I see them saying stuff. Oh, I have, oh, is anyone interested in blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's not how you do your market research. Um, in the least. And just all the time I tell my friends, just do some, put, put a little bit of work in, find out if somebody actually wants this thing before you create it. Don't ask them after you've created it. Cause if you ask them after you've created it, then it's probably already too late. Yeah. I can dig. Yeah. I think it's, uh, because it would be interesting at some point to have, uh, the Neo, your, your fellow, um, graph historians on, and for me to get a chance to grill them about the start of graph story and, and see whether, whether we have some common ground or if basically graph stories started out the same way so many other startups started. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 my impression, I mean, I can, I can tell you that my impression with it is that, I was sold on the idea that this was going to be a big market and that this was a solid idea for a company that if executed properly would do well, that it was an emerging market. Um, and I'm a fairly skeptical person, but I can, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm right. Um, uh, so in that sense, I felt like it was probably the case that there was a good market for this that should sustain com- companies like, like we were talking about. Uh, about have I mean about me joining and so far it's playing out that way our revenue is increasing we're doing well everything is is, is playing out very well um, but it is there's also lots of you know how do you execute that stuff and 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 it's a different game to play especially when you're talking about stuff that's not just self-funded and there's things that you can accomplish when you're not self-funding but there's trade-offs like all the stuff we're talking about technology trade-offs and things like that, there's trade-offs to these models. Um, and so, so that is a, uh, that's a thing that uh, it certainly exposes you to more risk. Uh, and it also exposes you to more um, shit you have to deal with because, you know, you have to answer to more than just you or your, or you and the other couple people who are working at the company. Right. So it's definitely different. It's definitely different. Um, uh, for sure. But, uh, so far I think we're doing pretty well. And, and, you know, frankly, I think, uh, the kind of numbers and of funding and, 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 uh, how we're doing stuff in terms of actually being, you know, revenue generating, uh, we are conservatively in really good shape compared to most, start- most startups, uh, who, you know, they're just, who are following more of a model of let's get a bunch of, uh, customers and not necessarily know how we're making money or things of that nature. So, Yeah. Uh, we we have a, pr- a fairly well scripted path of like how do we get to a point where we are uh, profitable, 
and uh, I think that that isn't always the case. And considering the relatively small amounts of money we've taken, you know, doing pretty well. But yeah, all really, really good, uh, really good questions. Um, boy, oh, whatever startup apologist. I am a startup apologist. No, I. You know what? Here's the thing. I am not a startup guy. I'm, I went and worked and I went and worked for the company I do work for because I believed in the people who were there. And I also thought that this seems like a pretty decent idea. Like this seems like a pretty decent um, thing where I could see this actually working. It wasn't more so than other things that I have been at in the past few years where I was like, I don't really, you know, I've been at stuff where I'm like, I don't really understand how you make money off this, but okay, let's just do it. I like, I'm just here to build stuff. Somebody else figures that out. No, this, I actually do buy and, and it's, it plays out because our revenue generation is quite good and has been increasing quite a bit. Um, but it is, uh, it is, you know, but it's, it's believing in the people you're with. I mean, we're not a typical startup, just that it's like we're based in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's uh, and the CEO and the CTO are both over 35. You know, I mean, we're old motherfuckers compared to, you know, the usual thing, and we're in the wrong place. Um, so, so, you know, supposedly, but we're pulling it off. You know, so I'm, I'm proud of my company. I really am. And I'm proud of the people I work for. And, uh, it feels good to work at a company where we feel strongly about doing the right thing and doing right by each other. Uh, even if that, you know, means, uh, you know, maybe we have to, you know, stare something in the guts and say, well, you know what, we're, we're going to do it this way, even if it doesn't work. Um, but it, it is working out and I'm really, I'm really proud of that. And really proud to be part of this team. So, yeah. That got a little fruity at the end. Oh, my so, God. It's not even like a goddamn infomercial for your company. Come on. Man. Yeah, that's what this is about. Get to talk about your books all the time. Anyway, should I talk about sponsors? Yeah, I thank our wonderful sponsors. Yeah, our wonderful sponsors, Rove. Uh, uh, fully invested in rehabilitating the feral dog. Uh turning uh, feral dogs into productive members of human society by being our programming slaves. Uh, treated well, get uh, three kibble meals a day, get breaks every two hours, not forced to wear collars at work, rove.com. Hire a dog. Save life. PH, yeah, save oh, some, some, such a better tagline, man. You were right there on it. And I was like, hire a dog. Save a life. Save a life. Increase Rove. Yeah, Rove. Okay. Increase your production. Rove.com. Yeah, they do PHP stuff. And uh, Wonder Network, they got a bunch of things. Uh, they take a picture of your website in uh, uh, China, uh, Indonesia, Iceland. Um, Kenya, I think maybe they got something in Kenya. No, they have South Africa. I know they have some in South Africa. Brazil, Canada, and other exotic locales. How does your website work there? What does it look like? Did somebody change it? So it says, I poop on you in Russian? Find out. <laughs> Wondernetwork.com. <laughs> So 
<laughs> sorry. So localization question. <laughs> That's What's the lo- how do you know what the localization guys are doing? The, your localization yeah, that's, that's, team. You know what? That's actually a very, very good I don't question. know what that says. I very assume good it's a question to look at those localization files. I'm like, can I on the side say, hey, can I get a native Russian speaker? Yeah, especially yeah, I, have some, I have some suspicions the offshore team has not been implementing yeah. these localization strings properly. Especially we're getting yeah. some really weird emails all in Cyrillic. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure. Anyway. This so, a, uh, so, so any, uh, any conference stuff coming up for you, Ed? In yeah. Those yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be doing uh word camp, Northeast Ohio. Let me see. I got to get my spreadsheet out. North, Northeast, Northeast, Southwest Ohio. Yeah. It's word camp. Neo, 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 Neo. Actually though, uh, next week uh, coming up before that, I'm going to word camp, Minneapolis. And then the week after, so that's next weekend. And then the week after that, I'm going to Empire JS uh, in uh, the Empire City. Uh, in it's in Indianapolis. Yes, no, Southern Manhattan. Uh, it's going to be on the south end of Manhattan. When you when you see Coos and Oprah, uh, punch him for me, please. Coos. Yep, I'm going to uh, go ahead and give him a smack. The crypto Canadian. The crypto. Yeah, he's from Texas. Um, and then uh, the other stuff is actually in June. I'm going to have a really busy June where like around, I think, June 10th, going to that WordCamp Neo. Uh, and then I'm going to have a Whirlwind 2 uh, City Tour uh, Orlando for yet another Pro Conference North America, uh, which I think is like the big North American Pro Conference. And uh, that that is uh, like June 12th. 20th, I think I'm speaking, 19th or 20th. And that's in Orlando. And then I'm going to fly to OS Bridge and do a talk there. And actually, I'm going to be doing a talk on graph databases there. So, But I'll probably uh, work out some other, uh, some mental health and tech stuff too. So hopefully we'll have some of that stuff worked out. Um, and uh, I hope by the time I have this out, this episode out, that the uh, open sourcing mental illness 2016 fundraiser is started. I have to still film a video for it uh, because that's how you do things uh, in the fundraising game. But uh, yeah, that's what I got going on. What about you? Uh, so let me think now. Um, so yeah, so next, next, so not this week, but next week I'll be given the uh, keynote talk at uh, PHP Serbia in Belgrade. Ooh. So that's uh, that's the last weekend in May. Um, then I will be I'm giving the same talk as the keynote at PHP South Coast in June. Nice. So that's June 10th, I think. Uh, and then after that, I'll be doing a work week. Uh, Mozilla's having their summer uh, work week in London, so I'll be staying in some swanky hotel in downtown London. And uh, my uh, my boss, who I always uh, say that he's trying to act like my dad all the time, has already scheduled all our activities. Um, so my calendar is already completely full for my work week. Wait, well, didn't he book like twenty seven meetings for you? Uh, yeah, I got like twenty six emails or something from Jesus him. Uh, just all the different, appo- but it's more like just setting up times, like right. meetings that we the team needs to go to, and then all. But more importantly, scheduling blocks of time for um, just for us to hack on stuff and work on things. But I can always like, I'm I'm sure I will be speaking with some of the other teams that I work with um, when I'm in there. But there'll be some dedicated time for me to to work on projects with my teammates, especially as we're trying to. We have a really cool uh, cloud based um, load testing system. Uh, that we're using, but the but we lack a really good like wrapper uh, and interactive um, 
like an interactive tool to use it with. And of course, as with everything I get to do in Mozilla, it will also be open source. So that'll be very, very cool. I'll, I'm very excited to share it once we actually get it all working. So I'll be spending, and it's my uh, uh, Q2, one of my uh, Q2 goals that reflects in my bonus uh, to get this thing, interactive script working. So uh, if I don't get it working, if I don't get it working, my bonus won't be as sweet. So oh, um, yeah. so I have a so I have a vested interest in, uh, so that'd be, so quarter two, so that's April, May, June. Yeah, so by the end of June, so hopefully when I'm at that work week, I will get the thing working in such a state that I can say to my boss, I can say, see, Dad, I told you I'd get it working. And then right. uh, he can see it and then just rubber stamp my uh, my bonus. Well, if you need some help, I'll if you let me wet my beak on it, I'll take some of that. <laughs> um, it's just basically, uh, it spins things up on uh, Amazon, up in the cloud, little instances that then all run the same script. So right. uh, a, very, a very enterprising person could use it to uh, do denial of service by putting things up in the cloud. Oh, no, so, it's a great idea. Right. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. Uh, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's it. And then, uh, yeah, right now, actually, because the way some of the other uh, uh, conferences that are coming up line up with um, uh, personal commitments to things that I'm doing, family, plus right. uh, some of my other hobbies. I'm, I'm going to be taking a trip to Columbus, actually, at the just before I do True North to go play in a humongous magic tournament with all the old Oh, you should let me know because I, that's not that far from me. Yeah, if you want to come down, because it's like a three-day thing. I'll be there like Friday, Saturday, and then drive back sometime late on Sunday. Because it's about a six-hour drive for me, so it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And some and some other folks will be coming with me, so I won't be going down there um, by myself. But yeah, I'll let you know when I get all the details firmed up. Um, but it looks like there is a – unless uh, – uh, unless I go to PHP World, I may not actually be doing any more conferences for the year after doing PHP South Coast. So oh, crazy. Um, that's in June. So we have to just see because, you know, other shit that I want to do that uh, that I don't want to be. I, I tend not to. I, I tend to try to not be gone on back to back weekends. Uh, and so many of these. Yeah. Uh, so many of these things are just lining up where it's like it's the conference and then the next week I was going to go do something or it's like I'm going to go do something and then the, the other uh, the weekend afterwards. So but. And that's that's the rock and roll lifestyle. My wife used to be like, well, you know, I would, uh, I, you know, got in a habit of checking with her on stuff. It's like, is this okay? You know, I know this is going to be a lot coming up, you know, and she was kind of like, oh boy, that's a lot to happen right away. And then now, uh, I don't know, she's done a 180 and she's just like, I don't care. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. So I can pretty much do whatever I want, I guess. Well, she's off in Madison all the time anyway, uh, visiting her family there. So Yeah, she's visiting her secret family there. Uh, uh, her, cheese, yeah. her cheesehead family. Her cheesehead family. family. <laughs> her Green Bay Packer fans family. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Good episode. I feel good about it. Yeah, no, it was good. I, like I said, I just wish we had more time because Tracy, I think, uh, could have talked for a lot longer. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll make it. Uh, she was great, and uh, we'll definitely have her back on. All right. Actually, I like doing these postings. We should try to do these uh, more often when we have a guest uh, with uh, schedule permitting. So anyway, this yeah. has been episode number 77 of the Development Hill podcast. As always, you can find every single episode along with uh, cool titles, uh, pithy um, pithy notes, and uh, always a very appropriately themed um, graphic to go with it at our website at devhill.info. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please rate the podcast. It lets us know that we're continuing to do the high-quality comedy podcast that we always aim for. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find us... Uh, you know, we don't have a Facebook page. And I know that I kept talking to you about we should do a Patreon, but I'm just... I don't know what to give people in exchange. Because pe- people are going to subscribe. They're going to want money. They're going to want something yeah. in return. No, just, the podcast sure. is your reward. Jerk off. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe early access to the podcast or, or if we 
ever if we ever do uh, the uh, Dev Hell After Dark stuff, we actually work. But that might be career limiting to let people listen to some of the Dev Hell After Dark stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so you can find. Uh, so we're not. We don't have a Facebook page, but you can find us on Twitter at Dev underscore Hell. You can find me on Twitter as Grumpy Program with without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the U. Thanks for thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you all. Good night, Internet. Oh, oh, oh.